A New Dawn, that's uh, the title I, I, I've given today and you will have picked up through some of the songs we've sung um, that uh, that, is, that is a theme. There's a story of uh, a boy in the States whose home was near where statues had been erected in honour of Confederate generals of the Civil War. The most notable being of one Robert E. Lee. Lee is shown sitting on his horse, holding the reins of this fine animal. The only caption at the monument is found on the base and it simply reads, Lee. Lee. Well, the boy enjoyed playing at Lee's statue and he got to know and love it so well. Then word comes one day that his father is being transferred to another city and they would have to move. And on the day they were moving, the little boy asked his father if he can play just one more time at Lee. Sure, his dad says. In fact, I'll go with you. Well, after a while, the boy is told it's time to go. Dad, he said, I have one more question before we go. Yes, son, he said, what is it? Who is that man sitting on Lee? <laughs> yeah, Mary's got it now, we're all right. <laughs> you see, the boy had noticed what he wanted to notice and knew just enough about the statue to see that it was... Well, what was it? It was a horse called Lee with a man sitting on it. And he didn't know the full significance. Well, you know, we all get the wrong end of the stick, don't we, sometimes? And the Easter stories are full of people getting the wrong end of the stick. Mary thinks Jesus' body has been stolen. Peter sees the linen wrappings and can't work out what it's all about. The disciples didn't understand the scriptures, we're told. The angels question Mary and she still doesn't know what's going on. Then she thinks Jesus is the gardener. Then it seems she reaches out to cling on to Jesus and he tells her she must. You could hardly get more misunderstandings in a couple of paragraphs if you tried. And the point is, of course, Easter has burst into our world, the world of space, time and matter, the world of real history and real people and real life. But our minds and imaginations are too small to contain it. So we do our best to fit the explosive facts of the resurrection into the possibilities we already know about. And at one level, of course, the continued puzzlement of the disciples is a mark of the story's authenticity. You know, if someone had been making it all up generations later, as some people have suggested, they would hardly have had such a muddle going on. They would have made it very clear. And ever since then, people have tried to squash the Easter message into conventional boxes. Boxes that they just will not fit into. Last year on Good Friday, there was a classic example of this in one of the newspapers in a, in a leader entitled Universal Truths. 
And the writer suggests that the Easter message is one that everyone can sign up to. Good Friday, it says, com- uh, commemorates sacrifice, the giving of oneself as a martyr for the love of others. So Easter is the achievement of victory over suffering. These, the writer goes on, are the universal spiritual truths. And the more interaction between different faiths benefits each other, the clearer the common acceptance of these truths can be. And then so in conclusion, the writer says, the Easter message draws devout together. Presumably he means the devout of all religions. From suffering, goodness can triumph. Death is not final. And then... Well, he gives a grand, woefully misleading last sentence. That is what all faiths in Britain can proclaim and where they can come together this weekend. Well, sorry. Of course, we must work to find common ground and common purpose with those of all faiths and none. But you don't achieve anything by downgrading the unique message of Easter. This is Paul's summary of the resurrection appearance in 1 Corinthians 15. This is the universal Easter faith which affirms the objectives, the historical reality of Jesus' resurrection. Paul says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared. That is the Easter message. Firstly, the tomb was empty and there's no adequate alternatives to the resurrection. No one has ever been able to explain the disappearance of the body. Secondly, the Lord was seen. And the appearances don't fit into what we know of hallucinations. They were clear physical appearances. And thirdly, the disciples were a changed people. Only the resurrection can account for their transformation from doubt to faith. Cowardice to courage. Sorrow to joy. It's an exciting, earth-shattering event. Yet as we've picked up this morning in our reading and in the monologue, we see a gentle conversation with Mary. A lovely, intimate story amidst all that is happening. And we need to be sure whilst we get all excited and busy in our Easter experience, well, we also need to realise that Jesus is someone who wants come alongside us in these quiet, intimate moments. Moments of a new dawn. I don't think we can easily ever grasp the feelings and confusion of the first Easter day. You see, we can view the whole story in one go. We've read the last chapter, or the last chapter of that particular sequence in the life of Christ. When we read the Holy Week events, we can do so with the knowledge of the outcome. Those involved could only take one 
step at a time. Just remind ourselves how Paul spells it all out in Corinthians. He identifies the gospel that was preached by the apostles and received by the Corinthians, on which they'd taken their stand and by which they were being saved. It contains the truths of the death and resurrection of Christ. The truths are central truths, he says, of first importance. Of course, other truths are important, the virgin birth, miraculous works, the glorious ascension. But the death and resurrection are of first importance, the centre of our faith. These truths are historical truths. They're not myths, but verifiable historical events, which can be pinpointed on the calendar. And Paul says in verse 4, on the third day, not about sometime, on the third day. These truths are physical truths. That is, Christ died and to demonstrate the physical reality of his death, he was buried. Then he rose. And to demonstrate the physical reality of this, he appeared to many individuals. Moreover, all these events, death, burial, resurrection, must have been equally physical. You see, the Jesus who rose from the dead was the same Jesus who also had been buried. These are biblical truths, for they took place according to the scriptures, Paul reminds us. Witnessed too by the apostles of the New Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament. And the truths are theological truths, events of huge significance. See, Jesus died instead of us. How great is his love. The death and resurrection of Christ, central, historical, biblical, theological truths constitute the gospel. All four gospels record the resurrection. They all cover the main points and the main theme, but each picks up on some little different detail. In two of the gospels, not the one that we read this morning actually, the angel, or in one of them it says a man in white, says these words to the women. (coughs) Do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Why Galilee? Why Galilee? Galilee's a forlorn, out-of-the-way sort of place. Yes, it's where Jesus came from, but apart from that, that's about the only claim to fame it can make. Jesus spent most of his ministry out in Galilee, in the outback, getting ready to come to Jerusalem. The moment he rose from the dead, he headed back to Galilee. One might have thought on the first day of his resurrection, Christ might have gone straight to a palace, to the seat of the Roman power and appeared there. Pilate, you've made a big mistake. He might have said to him, now it's payback time. One might have thought that Jesus would have do something effective, appeared before the movers and shakers of the time, the influential and the newsmakers those who had come to power and had some power and prestige. 
No, he didn't go up to a palace. In today's term, he didn't go to the House of Commons, the White House, the Kremlin, any capital. He went to the outback, back to Galilee. Nobody special lived in Galilee. Nobody, that is, except the followers of Jesus. You see, that's us. You and me. He rose from the dead and came back to us. No, he didn't go to the palace. He just came to us. He returned to the same ragtag group of people who so disappointed him, misunderstood him, forsook him and fled into the darkness. He returned to his betrayers. He returns to us. First Easter, nobody actually saw Jesus rise from the dead. They saw him afterwards, and they didn't appear to him. He appeared to them, to us. In the Bible, the proof of the resurrection is not the absence of Jesus' body from the tomb, but it's the presence of Jesus to his followers. The message of the resurrection is not first, though we die, we shall one day return to life. It is, though we were dead, Jesus returned to us. It would have been news enough that Christ had died, but the good news was that he died for us. It would have been great news enough if Christ had risen from the dead. But the great news is, was that he rose for us. You see, the poor, struggling Corinthians, failing at being the church, backsliding, wandering, split apart, faithless, Paul preaches Easter to them. He reminds them that they are here this morning because the risen Christ chose to come to them, appear before them, find them, reach out to them. That's what the risen Saviour does. He comes back again and again to the very ones who so betray betray and disappoint him. You see, he appears to us, seeks us, finds us, grabs us, embraces us, holds us in life, in death. In life beyond death, this is our hope. The risen Christ came back to us. And that message is for each one of us this morning. Are you sure that you know that Christ came back for us, for you and me? And sadly, the Easter story means nothing if we don't understand that aspect, that Jesus rose from the dead to come back to us. And we need to do what Mary wanted to do. We need to embrace him 
and take him into our lives. I pray that this Easter will be a special time for you and for me. Whether we renew our commitment to Christ or perhaps this morning it's the first time you've really taken that message on board. If that's the case, let's go out on this Easter Sunday giving thanks for, as we saw on the screen, a new start, a new day. When? Today. Easter Saturday. Amen.